Hey Fred, we are going to dive back into the account, the true story of Mephibosheth from 2 Samuel chapter number 9. We're asking, we're answering this question, why and how could Mephibosheth sit at such a lofty, such a prestigious place like the king's table? It almost doesn't seem to make sense. You know how kings throughout history, dark ages, even before that and after that, how they always treated the offspring and the descendants of previous kings, they'd kill them. They would end their lives. They'd banish them. They'd get rid of them. But that's not what David did to Mephibosheth. Why, though? Well, on Monday, we talked and we introduced this concept, the context behind this passage. But then Tuesday, we spoke about the king's promise. David had made a particular promise, a peculiar promise even, to a friend of his, Jonathan. Jonathan just happened to be Mephibosheth's father. What an amazing relationship David and Jonathan had, and we don't have time to dive into that right now. But then on the broadcast yesterday, we spoke about and answered the question, why and how could Mephibosheth sit at the king's table? Because the king pursued him. Not just the promise, but there was action. It wasn't just emotion, but there was motion. Today, we're going to dive into, if the Lord allows, two more reasons why Mephibosheth. But then we also get to ask and answer the question for you and me. Why did Mephibosheth get to sit at the king's table? But why do we, you and I, why can we sit at the king's table. If you stick around tomorrow, we're going to talk about some attributes of the king's table because it's always, it's always good eating in the Father's house. I'm Michael McCurry. This is Bible Tract Echoes. I'm so very thankful for each and every one of you that have joined me today. We're in 2 Samuel chapter number 9 for time's sake. We're going to dive right in. We talked about promises. We talked about pursuit. But think about this. David made a payment. David had paid a high price. Why could Mephibosheth sit at the king's table? Because of the king's payment. You realize David had a hard fought, a hard life getting from the shepherd's place, getting from the backside of the wilderness, uh, feeding his, tending his father's flocks through Goliath and all of that that came through that. And the adulation and the experience of the people singing, David has slain his ten thousands and Saul just his thousands. That got Saul's goat, of course. But, but then David went into a hard patch. Remember when he was hunted by Saul? Remember those times when he could have ended Saul's life, but he restrained or refrained himself from that? I wonder, if you go to 2 Samuel chapter number 9, I see a passage here, a verse, that I wonder if it, if something clicked inside of David. I can't say for certainty, but we read that David is looking for Mephibosheth, finds him through his servant Ziba. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, verse 6, was coming to David. He fell on his face and did reverence. And they have a short conversation. At the tail end of verse 7, David tells him, Thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. But then look at verse 8. And he, Mephibosheth, bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? And I wonder, as I read this passage, I wonder if David took himself back to when he thought of himself and maybe even described himself as a dog being hunted. Remember, Saul 
trying to stamp out who he knew was going to be God's next man as the king. And Saul, in his bitterness, his jealousy, his rage, his not being in the right frame of mind, that's a nice way of saying he was a little bit crazy. And David hunted like a dog. But then for Mephibosheth, the cripple that he was, yes, but for him to say, a dead dog as I am, I wonder if it threw David back and he saw through Mephibosheth's eyes what this looked like. But he remembered what it was like when it seemed that there was no one that cared for him. The king had made a payment to allow for Mephibosheth to sit in this place of prominence. But think about this, friend. The king has made a payment for you. We spoke yesterday about the king's pursuit, and I'll be honest with you, when I say I laid it on thick, I don't think that was the case at all. I think I may have not even done justice to how incredible it is that the God of all eternity would be pursuing you and me. But to do so, he had to make a payment, and he did so some 2,000 years ago on an old rugged cross, and in his hands, and in his side, and in his feet are the scars to prove what he's done for you and me. For all that David went through, that was nothing relative to what God Almighty went through for you and me. Romans 5, 8, we quoted it yesterday, but it bears recommending again. But God commendeth, proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The perfect sinless lamb died for unworthy ones like you and I. Do you understand the price that was paid for your soul? But you see, friend, it wasn't just payment that got David to make this agreement, to take this action. It wasn't just a verbal agreement, but there was action behind it. To welcome Mephibosheth into his home, for him to sit at this table, the Bible says, continually. What caused that? What could have made that possible? Well, it was promises. It was pursuit. It was payment. But I also see, lastly, for now, I told you tomorrow, Lord willing, we're going to get into some attributes of the king's table because I want to describe to you how great this is, that Mephibosheth, that you and I get to sit at the king's table. But it wasn't just those things. It was also the king's perception. Do you realize what everyone else saw Mephibosheth as? Think about this. In an agricultural society, agrarian society where people's ability, their worth was related to what they could physically do often, whether as a warrior, as a field hand, as a laborer. Think of the worth that Mephibosheth had, or should I say the lack of worth that he had. How do you think Mephibosheth felt about that? How do you think he saw himself a cripple, unable to really contribute? He was just one more mouth to feed. But aren't you glad the king was just looking for one more mouth to feed? Oh, friend, David didn't see Mephibosheth as a cripple. He saw him as an achievement of an agreement, the honoring of an oath, the completion of a contract, the contentment of a commitment, the guarantee of his goodness, the payoff of his promise, as we've already mentioned. The payment had been made, and now all that was left was for the offer to be received. How foolish would it have been for Mephibosheth to drag himself out on his hands and elbows with his legs dragging behind for him to say, thank you, David, for the offer, but I'm going down the street. 
I'm going to grab some fast food. Uh, the king's table, I'm not really interested. It wasn't just the table. There was the prominence. There was the protection, the provision. We'll get into that tomorrow on the broadcast. But what is it that caused it? Well, David didn't see Mephibosheth the way everyone else saw Mephibosheth. I want you to think about this. I had the opportunity to speak on this subject not long ago at a church where some dear friends are in Ohio. There was a man. He'd been coming for some weeks, I guess, but he had not yet got his salvation settled. He didn't know where he was going. And that day, he accepted Christ after I preached on the invitation time. And I please understand, modest, very modestly, but truthfully, evangelists like myself, we just pick other people's fruit. Pastors and Christian workers at churches across America and the world work week in, week out, day in, day out, sometimes moment by moment. Then evangelist comes in, says the exact same thing, and people are like, I've never heard that before. I think I'm going to go make a life-changing decision. Everyone's like, what? Your pastor's been preaching on this for how long now? But in all seriousness, he didn't get saved because of me. He got saved because of the truth of God's word but and the faithfulness of the work of the people there at that church. But and the pastor allowed him to say just a quick word of testimony, give his salvation, very new salvation testimony. He was talking about how God had led him to this point. And praise God, he made this wonderful decision. But he then said this. He said, I'm so glad to be here with all of these great people, all these good people. And the pastor said, hold on a moment, sir. Hold one moment here. And they were friends. He said, could I just have the mic back for just a second, the microphone? And the pastor took the microphone back. And I had alluded to this. And he said this, the pastor did. It may sound cliche, but it's so very true. The pastor said, sir, friend, there are no great people in this church. There are just people who have pulled their chair up and put their legs under the table. And you can't see how crippled they really are because they are covered by the king's table. And oh, how true that is. How much application does that have to you and to me? I don't know how you view yourself. Maybe you think because you can look down into your lap as you sit at the king's table and you can see the broken, mangled mess that you have made of your life, you think that's how God sees you. But aren't you glad for the old song, It's Under the Blood? Aren't you glad for the fact that he can say, God says, I don't remember them anymore. They're as far as the east is from the west. They're behind my back and I don't look over my shoulder. He has forgotten the very essence of what makes you who you are. Your scars and your burdens, the things that make you crippled friend. He has covered those with his sacrifice of his blood. His payment has paved the way so that you can sit at the table. And understand that you, friend, you, though we are, none of us are great, we're all at the king's table together. What a thought that the king's perception is what allowed Mephibosheth to sit at his table. Maybe there's something about this thought this week. The promise, the pursuit, 
the payment, the perception. Maybe we need to have just 30 seconds of, if you will, an invitation, an opportunity for you to give something of your life over to God because you have, have allowed it to cripple you. Maybe you need to realize it's under the table. Not worth mentioning anymore. He's already forgiven you. He's already allowed you access. Friend, I'm so thankful, so grateful for each and every one of you that have tuned in today. I'd love to hear from you. Let me give you my cell number one time real slow. I'd love for you to text me if you have a question, a comment, even a critique. Text me at 309-316-7240. Tomorrow on the broadcast, we'll spend one day talking about the attributes of the King's Table. You're going to want to stick around for that. Have a great day for His glory. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Track Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 60420. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.